0: All right, I have a little bit of a headache today, so we'll we'll see if this 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 keeps me calm. I, I don't I don't think it will. Um, I'm excited about this message, but this is we've been going through Colossians for a while now. This is the ninth sermon that, that we've, we've done here in Colossians, and this will be the last one for the year in Colossians as, as the holidays get closer and closer. But last week, we looked at how we are forgiven in Christ by his once-for-all sacrifice for our sins, past, present, and future. We also looked at how in the new covenant that we do not have to keep asking God for forgiveness over and over, but instead we believe and receive it. We confess and we receive. And today we will finish up Colossians chapter 2 and focus on what it means to be in submission to Christ, in submission to Christ. So let's begin with verse 15. It says, God disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ. This is one of those verses that becomes so much more vibrant, so much more beautiful when you understand the historical context of Paul's verbiage. There was an event called the Roman Triumph, which was the highest honor a Roman military general could receive. And in this event, the general was awarded a royal procession through the main street there in Rome. And it was essentially a parade of all of the prisoners of war and the captured treasures from the most recent military conquest. And this was all done to help cement the fame of the conquering general in the hearts and minds of the Roman citizens and in the annals of history. And this is what Christ did for us. He made a public display to show that all of his enemies had been defeated. And if you are in Christ, his enemies are your enemies. Two, a lot of comfort and power comes from this understanding in terms of spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. A similar idea is expanded on by Paul in Second Corinthians chapter 2, where he wrote, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and that Colossians verse, and holding them within the context of the Roman triumph event, it unlocks a lot of beauty. The Roman triumph began with a parading of all the spoils of war. And the crowds of Roman citizens would be there burning incense and throwing out all of these flowers and floral arrangements into the streets. So there was this robust aroma dancing on the wind. And the Roman army would then come through, followed by the Roman general who was being honored. But behind him would be the conquered king and his generals. And at the end of that walk, they'd be beheaded in front of everybody. So the aroma in the air was life to those who won, and death to those who had lost. Paul takes this imagery from history and presents Jesus as the conquering general. And we are so in union with him that in his victory over the enemy, it's also our victory over the enemy. And so what does this teach us? About spiritual warfare. What could the defeated kings and generals do while being paraded through the streets? They could yell and scream. They could make whatever sort of scene that they could, but none of that changed the fact that they were defeated. They were defeated. In 1 Peter 5, we read a vivid image of our great foe. Be sober-minded, be watchful, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Notice here that it doesn't say that our enemy is a roaring lion. It says that he's like a roaring lion, but he's actually toothless. He's toothless. The devil is nothing but a dog on a chain. He can make all kinds of noise. And he can use his lies and intimidation tactics, but he's powerless to break free and to cause harm to those who are in Christ. That's good news. I love those words of Jesus in Matthew 24 concerning deception, where he says, if it were possible, if it were possible, he would deceive the very elect. But when we are walking in the Spirit, when we are counted amongst the elect, the truth has set us free from the lies and deceptions of the enemy. We can't be deceived in Christ. Stay in Christ, dear friends. Keep your eyes focused on him. I cherish these words of Jesus, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And just as I've taught before concerning grace, truth isn't a philosophy. Truth isn't a doctrine. Truth is a person. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So now let's, let's move on to verse 16 there in Colossians 2. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. All these truths that we have been studying for the past couple of months concerning what Jesus has done in us and for us, they were written for a reason. They were written for a reason. They are there for us to read and believe and receive so that they become the foundation of our standing against the bondage of legalism. And Paul is very clear here when he tells us not to let anyone bully us into changing our our beliefs or lifestyle when it comes to our identity and our freedom in Christ. This goes back to Genesis when mankind chose a performance system by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And ever since then, we humans have been getting caught up in achievement systems, achievement systems. And so many people in this world, both within and without the church, set themselves up as judges to tell us what to do and what not to do, But these commands are all based on the beliefs of their own carnal minds that have been programmed by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They will offer a verdict either of acceptance or condemnation based on how well you perform their little rules. Paul says, let no one pass judgment on you. Yet some within the church seem to take the stance of the Pharisees and go above and beyond Scripture and adding all of these external regulations and behaviors. I speak with too many Christians who make diet a salvation issue. Yet Jesus himself spoke against this mindset when he said, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. And then Paul expanded on this in Romans when he wrote, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now we wanna be mindful of what we put into our bodies. We wanna be healthy healthy. We want to be ready in season and out of season for whatever God calls us to do. But we don't want to get to the point where we are depending upon what we eat, what's on our plate for our salvation. Our salvation comes from Jesus. And he'll lead you in what's on your plate. He'll guide you. But stay connected to him. And know that any victory that you experience in this life comes from him. The truth of the matter is this, dear friends. There's only one road, and it's narrow. And that road is the way of Christ. It's the way of Christ. That road is righteousness by faith. That road is fully believing and trusting in Christ's finished work that set us free from sin. The complete forgiveness that has reconciled us back to the Father and the new nature we've been given through the Spirit when our old nature was crucified with Christ. There's a ditch on the left of that road and it's license. There's a ditch on the right of that road and it's legalism. Stay on the straight and narrow, not in the ditches. And the easiest way to stay on the road is to keep your eyes, your mind, your focus firmly on Christ. That narrow road is actually rest in Christ, rest for our souls. I know, I know some of us need some rest. And it's not the kind that the world offers. A good night's sleep is great. But there's a different kind of rest. A rest that supersedes any physical tiredness. A rest that supersedes anything that we are facing in our lives. Anything horrible that's happening in the world. We can rest in Christ knowing that our salvation is found in him that Greek word that's translated as salvation, what it literally translates to is safe and sound. You are safe and sound in Christ. You can rest in that. And when it comes to all of these rules, regulations and behavior modifications that people want to do in their own power, there's nothing there but emptiness. These are a shadow of the things to come but the substance, the substance is Christ. It belongs to Christ. Either you have a wicked heart that cannot be trusted because it was born in Adam, or you have a true heart, a righteous heart, a new heart that was created by God because it was born in Christ. It's all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. It's all wrapped up in him. Another way to translate this word shadow is to say that they were merely sketches, sketches. And all of these rules and regulations and practices that were outlined in the old covenant were merely sketches. But the real thing is Christ. When you buy a home, when you've paid that down payment, Would you rather receive a piece of paper that had the sketch of the blueprint or would you rather receive the keys so that you could experience the real thing? Dear friends, don't get so caught up focusing on and talking about the sketches that you miss the power and the life that comes from the substance that belongs to Christ. You either have religion or you have relationship. It's one or the other. Please don't don't talk to me about balance on this topic because one leads to death and one leads to life. There is no balance with Christ. You are either fully in him or you are fully depending upon yourself. Middle ground is shaky ground and shifting sand. You either have human achievement which is every single religion on the face of the earth, be it Buddhism, Taoism, Mormonism, Islam, Catholicism, I could go on and on. Or you have righteousness by faith. Righteousness by faith, which is the reality where God has done it all and disarmed the enemy, yet the victory has been given to us. And because the reward we have wasn't, earned by our deeds then it can't be taken away from us and this is where Paul continues let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head who is the head of the church y'all Jesus I'm so glad nobody said you pastor it's not me It's not me. Jesus is the head. And they get this way because they're not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Do you want growth in your spiritual life? Don't look to yourself. Don't look to me. Look to Christ. Look to Christ. Be connected to the head. That's where nourishment comes from. That's where wisdom comes from. That's where forgiveness comes from so that we know we're not shackled and we can move forward. The blessings of Christ are eternal in him. And if we have him, according to Ephesians 1, we have every spiritual blessing. It's done. These are our possessions. Yet we have to believe and receive them. Do you believe? Do you believe? We walk it out in faith or all of those blessings are no good for our daily experience. Gotta walk it out in faith. It would be like having a million dollars in our bank account and never writing a check, never signing up for a debit card. That million dollars does you no good. <laughs> if you don't know how to spend it. If you don't make the choice to live in accordance with what you have, you won't experience what you have. And what you have is sufficient. What you have in Christ is sufficient. For your spiritual life, yes, but also for just living life day to day in this world. The stuff that people, that humans struggle with, Unforgiveness, offenses, fear, gossip, lies, greed. All of that's handled in Christ. If he is your head and you're following him, not only will you not fall into these ditches, but you can help others that don't even know Christ out of their ditches. And when they want to praise you, when they want to give you the credit, we know what to do, right? We point them to the the head. We point them to Christ. So this, this idea, this concept, if you don't make the choice to live in accordance with what you have, you want to experience what you have, this is why there are some Christians that will say, Jesus isn't enough. You need more. You need to do more. You need to have more. And these statements will always distract us from Christ and what he has done and what we have in him so that we can live in confidence and security and victory. Paul dealt with this in his letter to the Galatians. He said, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel there are so many good things out there that can become a distraction. We aren't just distracted by bad things. (laughs) There are good things that can become a distraction. Don't let the good things cause you to lose focus from the best thing. Notice Paul's language there. Our focus is not to be on a message or a theological system, but on him, a person, Christ, when we lose focus on him and look to ourselves, that is always a recipe for pride and selfishness and then failure. And this goes, all, this, this goes back to a discussion that Jesus had with a woman at the well. And I don't know which of y'all prayed for me about my headache, but it's gone. So praise God. But this woman, she was separated from God. She was struggling. She was separated from God. And because of that, she was doing all sorts of things to try and get her needs met. And most of these things were destructive to her spiritually and relationally. And Jesus comes along and he offers her living water while she's drawing physical water out of the well. And, and he kind of hints at who he is, right? And he catches on. And at that moment, she makes this statement. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem, she's saying you, the Jews, say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. In other words, which way is correct? Correct. Which religion is correct? That's what she's asking. And Jesus does not abide this sort of belief and mindset. He responds, and, and he's gentle with her, but there's also a firmness there. He's saying, ma'am, you, you don't understand the issues, A day is coming when worship is not going to be about this mountain or that mountain because true worship is not about externals, it's about the internal. Based on what Jesus taught, we can know that the issue of Christianity is an internal spiritual issue. That's why nothing in this world can take it from you, can be stolen from you. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. It's not an external issue, but it does have an effect on it as the life from within flows to life without. Yet it's definitely not about the external or physical things affecting the internal and spiritual things. It doesn't go that way. It goes the other way. So be wary when people are saying, Oh, look at what we're doing on the outside. You'd be a really good believer if you did that too. You're not doing enough on the outside. In that mindset, we have just stepped away from the source of life and into a carnal physical attempt to try and merit some sort of good favor or good standing with God. You do not have to do anything to earn God's love. It's yours. He loved you before you were born. Let that love into your life to transform you from the inside out. Love isn't just this flowery thing. It's not just this idea. Love has transformational power when that love is coming from God. Love and grace are like this, and we're told that it's grace that makes us into a new creation. It's grace that gives us a new heart. It's grace that renews our mind. The love of Christ is powerful, and Paul, as as we just read in Galatians 1 6, he calls this this idea that there are things that you have to do in order to earn or, or, or to be loved, he calls it a different gospel. In other words, it's a fake. It's a phony. It's a hollow bunny. Y'all, y'all know around Easter, they have those chocolate bunnies in the store and they look nice and solid, like that's a thick piece of chocolate. And then you bite into it and the inside is hollow. It's just stale air. That's what a workspace righteousness is. It's a hollow bunny. Might look good on the outside, but there's no substance there because the substance is Christ. This is why Paul is so firm here and elsewhere. In Galatians, he says, don't let anyone bewitch you or charm you because when you are invited into some sort of workspace righteousness, you are being bewitched and deceived by folks that don't have a true understanding of the gospel. That's what's going on there. So so we've gotta be firm on this. Don't let anyone complicate the gospel for you. Over 100 years ago, one of the founders of the Adventist church wrote this. We are in continual danger of getting above the simplicity of the gospel." It's important to be loving, kind, and patient with people. But when it comes to anything that will lead us away or distract us from keeping our focus firmly on the Savior, we've got to be firm. We've got to be firm. Going back to this verse, I realize that asceticism isn't really a word that we use a lot anymore. It's not something that that we we talk much about. But asceticism is a severe self-denial of pleasure, whether it be food or entertainment or any other form of physical or material pleasure, especially for religious reasons. It's people who are so focused on being different that they withdraw from other people in society. Now, y'all, We've been given a great commission, right? If we withdraw from society, if we pull away from every invitation, every person that wants to befriend us, every neighbor, how will we ever be salt in life in the world? We are not of the world, but we're in the world. And we're called to be a light in this world. What asceticism is, is an extreme twisting of the good and helpful Christian discipline of moderation. That's what it is. It's a twisting of that good thing. And Paul goes on, he, he makes this comment about worship of angels. And we might look at that and say like, oh, that doesn't apply to us. <laughs> we, don't, we don't even need to, to talk about that. I want to encourage you to think, think a, a little deeper on this, because that word that's translated as worship, it's not the usual word in the Greek that's translated as worship. This word means more religious practice. Religious practice. It involves calling on angels or having a special interest in angels or maybe looking to angels as some sort of mediators. And so once you bring an angel into the equation, you are robbing yourself of the privilege through the new covenant that you can go directly to God through Jesus Christ as your mediator. You don't need any angel to do that for you. You don't need anyone to do that for you. What Paul is talking about here isn't too far removed from someone who believes that they must confess their sins to a priest in order to be forgiven. And on a topic a little closer to home, you know that I always make myself available to pray with you and for you. And and there's a certain comfort and camaraderie that comes from intercessory prayer. But please, please, please don't come to me and ask for prayer because you think that my prayers are somehow more special than yours. God hears all of our prayers the same. God wants to hear from you because you are his child. So yes, let's pray together. Let's pray for one another. But don't get caught up thinking that anyone else's prayers will somehow make it to God better than yours. You are in Christ. You are loved. And your heavenly father is waiting expectantly to hear from you. So please, don't let any rob you of the privilege of being able to go directly to God in prayer, in Jesus' name. I I want this reminder, what I just shared with you, I want this reminder every single day. So I actually have a sticky note on my bathroom mirror. I'm not lying about this, am I, Sarah? How long has that been up there? for a long time. I need this reminder every day. It's my daily reminder that through Christ, I have access directly to the Father. It's my reminder that also because I'm in Christ, that I have freedom from sin. I can live my life free not focusing on sin, not wondering, oh, oh, I'm going to trip up. I'm going to fall into this thing today. No, moving forward in confidence, knowing that Christ broke that bondage and my focus is one-wordly, one focus, heavenward to him. And when I'm looking at Christ and I'm thinking uh, about Christ, there's not much room for sin to creep its way in. We've got to stop giving sin so much power in our lives and in our minds. You've been set free from that. That old person that you used to be outside of Christ, that loved to do sin, that would plan out sin, that person's dead, drowned in the waters of baptism. And you are now filled with Christ. That old excuse, the devil made me do it, we can't use that anymore. We can't use that anymore. He can't control us. Rest in that truth. And you'll find yourself more and more experiencing the power that comes through faith. Continuing on, wrapping up this chapter, Colossians 2. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why? As if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used. According to human precepts and teachings, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Wow. Do you realize that, that, that when people take this mindset of, of creating all these barriers and all these burdens and cutting things out of their life because they, they, they're, they're scared that maybe joy is coming from the devil, maybe all pleasure is coming from the devil, they set up these things and it's with good intentions. It's because they don't want to give any indulgence to the flesh. But what Paul is saying here is that when we do these things in our own power, and not trusting in Christ, they will not keep us from indulging in the flesh. Your mind is sin conscious. You're thinking every day, I don't want to commit that sin. I don't want to do this thing. I don't want to mess up here. You're not wanting to do those things, but you're still focusing on those things. Part of being free from sin is being set free from the sin consciousness that the enemy wants us in. To always be focusing on sin, thinking on sin. We talked about this in Sabbath school, right? Under no circumstance, y'all listen, under no circumstance, think about a pink elephant right now. Don't think about a pink elephant. Now, can we be honest? What did most of you just envision in your mind? A pink elephant! Yeah, he's back. You already saw him once today, right? We're, we, we spend way too much time getting, getting caught up focusing on our sins. And, and I don't know about you, but I don't want just an appearance of wisdom. I want the real thing. I want the substance. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.30 that Christ is our wisdom. I don't want just the appearance of religion. I want the real thing, which is relationship with Jesus Christ. And and I can fight and struggle and work and strive and beat myself up all day every day in order to war against the sins of the flesh or I can walk in faith, believing that Christ has already won that battle, given me a new nature, and that now I am, as Paul says three times in Romans 6, free from sin. Those chains have been broken. The only way to stop the indulgence of the flesh is to know that you are dead to the flesh and alive to God. That's the gospel, y'all. That's the gospel. Now, before we wrap up, I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to this topic if I didn't mention the close cousin of legalism, which is judgmentalism. And as we go through our Christian walk, we, we, we pick up these offenses, which lead us to create barriers because we've been hurt, because we've been hurt. And the reality is it's painful when someone judges us or makes wrong assumptions about us or tells us in some way, shape, or form that we aren't good enough. And the pain runs even deeper when this happens within a church context. We say that this place is like a hospital where healing takes place, and we expect to be welcomed and loved and accepted, yet that doesn't always happen. doesn't always happen. But beloved, if this has been your experience, if this has been your experience, I hope that you can hear me right now, what I'm about to say. Hear me through all of your pain, all the offense. You do not have to hold on to those things. You do not have to hold on to those things. You don't have to allow what someone else thinks or says about you dictate how you feel or how you react because they do not dictate your standing with God. You are fully known and fully loved by God. When it comes to the pain and to the offense we may feel sometimes from others, Jesus bore all of that for us. And by his stripes, we have been healed. We have been healed. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? And so now, We know it's about relationship, not religion. We know that it's about faith in Christ, not legalism. Now we know that our salvation is based upon the merits of Christ and not our own works. And it's only once that we have this knowledge that we can learn to truly submit ourselves fully to Christ. Because we can then be submissive to Christ, not out of fear or obligation, but out of love and trust. Freedom in Christ is not license to sin. It's not. Freedom in Christ is freedom from guilt, fear, condemnation, and shame. Freedom in Christ is the freedom to know that we are at peace with God because of the blood of Christ, which speaks better things, better things about you, better things about me. Freedom in Christ is submission to Christ. Amen and amen. As we close, I'd like to offer you a a practical way to apply something from today's message. And so pull out your phones and take a picture of this week's secret place practice. To know Christ is to submit to him. So this week, this is what I want you to do. Find a scripture about Jesus that reminds you of why you chose to follow him. Write it down on a sticky note and then put it somewhere where you will see it every day or you'll see it every day. For me, it's, it's the bathroom, it's on the mirror. Maybe for you, it's in the kitchen. Maybe it's in the office. But then read it, memorize it, and allow that scripture to renew your mind day by day. Before we have our closing prayer, I'm going to invite Chongo to come forward. He's our elder in charge for today. I'm gonna to have the benediction, but if there's anybody here who has any specific needs, any, any specific prayer requests, maybe a praise that you would just like to share, then after the benediction, I'd invite you to come forward. Either myself or Chango, we'd love to talk with you. And then lift that petition, lift that praise up to the throne of grace together so that you can walk out of here in victory, walk out of here in faith, knowing that you are in Christ. And for anybody else, after the benediction, you will be dismissed. And there is a meal waiting in the fellowship hall. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for Christ. And Lord, this this word submission, sometimes maybe it it makes us feel a certain way. I know that the, the world has a certain concept of submission and it's usually negative, but Lord, when we are submitting to you, we know that only good things will come from that. Lord, we know that you are love we know that you are for us and not against us. And we know that sometimes you might call us to do something that makes us feel a little uncomfortable. Maybe it's a little bit out of our comfort zone, but we know that it will be for our own good. And so Lord, today, we just want to submit ourselves to you. We want to hear your voice, to know your voice, and to follow wherever you call. Lord, as we take some time this week to find a scripture, to write down that scripture, and then to focus on that scripture, we believe that you will renew our minds with that scripture, and our faith will be strengthened, and our light will shine brighter to others because of it. Lord, we pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen.